You are now listening to Sierra Unraveled, hosted by yours truly. I am a single mother who finally released myself from a toxic relationship with the help of God, of course, so I can pursue my wildest dreams. Tune in every week for some crazy stories, real life drama, and motivation to keep going. You got this. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Sierra Unraveled. Today I have Jesse on the show all the way from California. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm actually in uh, New Hampshire, oh. actually, the East Coast. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> the time zones really That's mess me up sometimes. I don't know why I thought it's the time zones. Maybe in the future I live in California. Maybe that's why. You saw the future. Have you ever been there before? I have been to California. Yeah, absolutely. What parts? I've been to San Diego. I've been to Encinitas, Carlsbad, um, Los Angeles, Hollywood. Yeah. Wow. So if you could live any of those places, would you live there or would you choose a different place you've never gone before? Um, I like to try like Northern California, but um, I do like Encinitas. It's beautiful there. Oh, okay. I've never been there before. I've only been to LA and San Francisco. So California is a little bit far for for me as well as you. (laughs) Yeah. Where are you located? I'm in Michigan. Oh, okay. Yep. So you're East Coast, sort of. Yeah. Gotcha. So can you tell my listeners a little about yourself as well as me? This is like our first meeting, so this is pretty cool. We Sometimes I chat a little bit with my guests before we actually like interview or like mm-hmm. hang out a few times. So like jumping right in, this is super interesting and very abnormal for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, about myself. Um, well, I'm an author. I just wrote a book um, called If Not You Then Who? Harness Your Strengths to Shift from Addiction to Abundance and that book came out in February. That That's my life story in that book. So it has all the trauma, addiction, mental health conditions, everything that I went through. And then it also has a recovery toolkit. So it has a way to help people to recover, meaning all humans, not just people in addiction and mental health recovery. It's a toolkit for anyone. But I just so happened to be in recovery for the last 15 years. So I've done a lot of research and a lot of things to learn about my own conditions to be able to... Uh, help others and and worked with a lot of different types of people. So yeah, the toolkit was a synthesis of data that I gathered um, throughout the last 15 years. Wow, 15 years, that is is such a long time. And I think the education aspect to someone's personal growth is so important. Um, So it's really awesome that that you were able to compile that information and then put it all in a book to share with others. Like that's such a beautiful human thing to do because I feel like most people don't have the time, the energy, the effort, or even care enough to do something like that. Um, so did you write any books before doing this one or? I did, I wrote a book uh, that I released in 2018, which was called Smash Your Comfort Zone with Cold Showers. So that one was a little bit of a different context, but yeah, I wrote that book because the, the cold therapy was really, really critical for me overcoming social anxiety. So yeah, so that's why I wrote that book. So how, how, what kind of pushed you into the writing? Was there like a turning point where you decided like, I do need to just write a book or was it something that you've always kind of wanted to do? Um, no, I definitely didn't want to do it. Um, someone basically asked me, why do I take cold showers every day for the last two years? And I told him because it helped me to overcome my social anxiety. So anxiety is normal, but the, the anxiety I had was not normal, it was abnormal. So, um, you know, when I told this person this story, she was like, well, can you write it down in a book so I can read it? And I was like, 
well, I'm not an author. I don't write. She's like, well, just maybe you could write a short book. And that's what I did. I wrote a book that you can read in about 45 minutes. That was the first book. And uh, so, no, I did it out of more of like just wanting to get that story out to people if it could help them. Wow. Did you do like a rough draft or anything or you just go straight for it and then self-publish? Well, I actually finished the first draft in the summer of 2017. And because of fear, I didn't publish it for almost a year and a half later. So I did actually pub- I did actually write the whole book. And then I, I just decided that I wasn't going to release it because, you know, when you go to live your dreams and you go to live from your heart, what happens is your, your wounds or your trauma and your wounded self comes up and says, who are you to share your story with the world? Who are you to share about cold therapy? Who are you to this and that and all these voices? So I, um, yeah, I almost didn't, I almost didn't publish it, but the reason I published it is because I bumped into that same person a year later and she said, Hey, where's your book? And that hit me in the gut. And I said that, you know what, I'm going to finish this book or I'm going to delete it off the hard drive. And I decided to finish it. Wow. I'm super proud of you. So I have two questions. So can you elaborate a little bit more on what cold therapy is? I'm not familiar with the term. Well, so like, just like there's yin and yang or yin and yang, right? You have masculine and feminine energies. It's the same thing with water. You have cold and you have hot. So cold is going to have certain benefits for your skin and certain benefits for uh, cascades of hormones being released like norepinephrine and and feel-good chemicals. Um, It also has other benefits as well, uh, like vasoconstriction and all these different things with the body that helps to to keep the metabolism strong. And, and so that's cold therapy. And then when you talk about heart, hot therapy, that has its own, you know, benefits as well. You know, oh, it opens up the pores, you know, it can actually be helpful for muscles. So can cold therapy as well. So that's just different types of um, ways of looking at uh, healing modalities. Water is healing. So it's just, you know, looking at how do I leverage hot and cold into my life? If I could walk around with a shower over my head all day, I probably would. What, a hot shower or a cold shower? Um, Like lukewarm. People, th- I like don't really like too hot of showers. I just like to be in the water all the time. So if I could just that or just, I don't know, if I could like make some shoes that my feet are like in water. So I'm like always kind of <laughs> swimming. <laughs> hey, maybe that's the next invention you'll come out with is water Who shoes. Knows? <laughs> so the second thing I was going to ask you about publishing your book. So you said you had some fear. Um. Did it subside afterwards, after you published your book? What was that feeling like? Well, once I actually hit the publish button, because I self-published both of my books, once once I hit that publish button, you know, it was a big relief. It was a big victory for uh, getting out of my comfort zone. And, you know, that's what really keeps us trapped is we get wrapped in, in our comfort zone, but we have to look at why is that comfort zone there. And a lot of times the root cause is from our wounded self or from trauma. And so... Once I released it, I felt a shift in my consciousness. I felt a shift of like confidence. And of course, once it's out, now your message is out to the world. So you're going to have critics and people who don't like it. But that's, that's, that's the whole point of life. You can't please everyone. You know, most, some people are not going to like you. <laughs> They're not going to like what you do. And that's the beauty of this, of this living here is that some people won't, but some people will. And you'll have a big impact on them. So once the book was published... I had a lot of people reach out to me of all ages, teenagers, men in their 80s, you know, telling me how much the book helped them and how much cold therapy helped them. So 
yeah, it was it was really amazing. And, and I'm still feeling the ripples. I mean, that book, it's still uh, selling and people are still leveraging it to help overcome fear and start to boost their mood and overcome, you know, acne and, and different um, things that have helped people with the cold water. So yeah. that's got to be such a good feeling. So um, this is kind of random. I also self-published two books now in the past year. I just was writing and oh. I was like, I just have to get this off my chest. I started working on another one and then I had like a huge life event happen. So I like smashed it on hold. And that's another part of the reason why I think like this is probably going to be like my final interview because I really need to get this out there. But I like have definitely stumbled. What's this new book about? It'll be similar, like life trauma and like overcoming it. Like I should not be in the position where I am right now. There's no way I should be dead or in jail for sure mm. and the fact that i've been able to overcome all of that and still be right here like i just want other people to th like if their situation if they think their situation is bad it could always be worse absolutely it's hard though to put yourself out there i mean even with this podcast like i've been sharing bits and pieces of my life throughout all of it i've been doing it since october of last year but still it's like i still hold back some things and it's like what do i share what do i not share you know yeah yeah well it's tough when you put your story out there you know there's this part of us that's afraid that it's going to get rejected and that's the inner child it doesn't want to get hurt but we have to do it because if we don't then there's someone out there who is you know suicidal there's someone out there who's about to shoot fentanyl there's someone out there who's about to just jump off the edge so you know getting our stories out there is what really can help someone in that moment and that's what i've learned by sharing by not sharing your story you're actually hurting the world so that's how i look at it and so that's why like for me where i'm scared to go is to bring video content to the world like i'm scared to bring myself on video and bring out content like some of my mentors do so those are my blocks i'm working through so i have no problem now writing my story and my next book is going to be about way more like intuition slash deeper healing stuff and so that one's even scarier but but at the same time you know there's still blocks with getting out more content on video and so that's kind of my next thing and that i'm working on now is healing that what is the cause of that so we all are on different journeys and paths but i really believe that we all can if we if we really put our strengths together we really understand that the wounds and the adversities are actually compasses and lighthouses for other people we reframe the trauma so that it can actually help people but you don't just share your trauma to the world you you do it in a way when it's appropriate but if it's in a book that to me is appropriate because that's someone who's taken the time to read your story you know and you know it's just being intuitive about it that's what i believe you know so when you say going through your like going through how to do video content your blockages um what do you is there anything in specific that you do to try and like push yourself for like me i like literally have to be so exhausted to the point that i have to force myself to do it and then i just do it <laughs> and then i'm like i don't know if this is the best but it's done you know yeah i mean i do have different strategies i mean even cold showers i mean i've been taking cold showers since 2015 so cold showers was a big catalyst to take action taking a straight cold shower and then taking the action but again, the yin and the yang. So that to me doesn't attract me anymore. I don't need to like get in the right state or jump in a cold shower. Like I don't need to do that anymore. Now I can just sit in meditation or I can go for a walk in nature and I can get, I can get centered and then do work. So now it's the opposite. I'm using the more the feminine energy to create where before is more of the masculine. So, so that's how I create today is I just get inspired, you know, and I get inspired by, you know, taking time to, 
take a, like I just said, you know, go into the ocean or go, you know, like, so I find places to get inspired. And, uh, but sometimes it's just taking a 20 minute rest and that, and I don't mean a nap. I mean, just resting my eyes and maybe getting centered and doing some breathing, somatic breathing or heart breathing. And that will bring me into a place of centeredness. And that's when that heart is starting to speak to the mind more than the mind speak to the heart because the mind wants to run everything, but that's not where all the greatness comes from. It comes from the heart. So that's where, that's where I try to stay is like get centered in my heart and then do some of this creative work. So that's, that's kind of a flip of how I used to do it. Do you feel like you found your purpose? Absolutely. Yes. But I want to share this, that just because you found your purpose doesn't mean it's not going to evolve because there is, to me, there's no set purpose. There's a purpose that I have today and that's going to evolve into another purpose, which could be a higher purpose. You're always looking for growth. That's important though, because I feel like if you ever find, if you think you found the end of something, you're really just stopping yourself from moving forward. Yeah, exactly. Because you're always going to change. You don't have a choice. Your body sheds its cells every year. You almost become a new human every single year. So you don't even have a say in it. For people who say really stuck in the same beliefs or patterns, your body doesn't. You don't even have a choice. The autophagy, the things that are happening in your body is happening without your permission. Your heart's beating without your permission. So the reality is, is like you could stay stuck in believing the same things over and over and over for 20 years, but that's not how it works. That's called rigidity and resistance. So when we start to let go of that, we start to see, whoa, there's a whole world out there. We learn about new cultures, new people, new books, new everything. And then all of a sudden, it starts to add to what we bring to the world ourselves as creators or co-creators. So yeah, it's to me, it's like, it's all about staying open. And that's why my purpose keeps changing. That's why the first book was this masculine, cold showers, get it done book to this new book is more of like, Here's how I healed my trauma and my mental health conditions. And here's the toolkit. And my third book is going to be way deeper into the feminine. And when people hear the feminine, they get confused. They're like, oh, what is that going to be like about like a girly book? No, no, no. You have masculine and feminine energies running at all times, just like positive and negative. The whole universe is made up of that. So it just means I'm coming from a more place of, of, um, of water, like a more of a place of flow than I am of like, get it done, set 20 goals, get it all done right now. And like, yeah, you know what? That's not working as much as it was in the past because things are shifting. Well, in the beginning, you have to have that drive. I feel otherwise you could fall back into the patterns that previously got you to where you were in the first place. Yeah, well said. When you first started your book, so you have like a good plan of like where you were then, where you are, or where you were then, now, and then where you're going in the future. Did you plan that out when you started writing or it just kind of happened that way? Well, you know, I'm a, vi I'm a big visualizer. I love visualization. I love visioning things. And so I had a vision in mind and that vision changed because the world changed. So that's what happens. Like COVID changes things, you know, so that, so I had a vision, but my vision got even bigger. So like when sometimes we think things are, uh, negative, it actually could be the greatest blessing of your entire life. And that's what happened to me last year. And so I realized like what a gift it was. And then today to look at it and say, wow, it actually shifted me in the best possible direction I could ever have gone. Cause it actually brought me into way deeper levels of trauma healing. I thought I had done a lot of that work and I had it. So this was such a great gift because now I can work with people. You can't give away something you don't have. So if you've been through something with someone, you can hold the space for that someone to get through that. So, you know, so today I'm just really grateful for everything that's happened because my vision changed and that's okay. It's interesting that you say that because I, 
from what I've heard and just, you know, reading things, um, COVID has pushed a lot of people to evaluate their mental health more than ever before. And we are, I personally just started going to therapy again within the middle of COVID last year and I hadn't gone in some time. Um, but I feel like there are people probably still struggling or haven't made their way to go yet, but we're on the flip side of it because we see the benefits. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, mental health has never been on the great, this is the greatest decline of mental health, arguably in the last 50 years. We, I mean, it's, this is uh, drug addictions up, suicides up big time, not a little, we're talking 30%, 20%. So mental health is, is a huge factor. And, and so if we don't pause and take time for our mental health, which is what I'm all about, I do it professionally. Like I'm a professional in this space of mental health. Like this is what I do is take care of my mental health. And when I do that, it's a ripple effect to the people around me and the people I serve and my clients. So yes, mental health is so key. And that's what, that's what I'm really here to do. It sounds like you are too, is to share the tools that I've learned so that people can find what works for them and leave the rest. And so I have over 30 different actions in my new book about how to actually get to these places to live your best life, but also it's a lot of mental health stuff to really help for us to start to send her in because addiction is on the rise. And now people are understanding my definition of addiction because before people were like, Oh, look at those addicts. Look at those alcoholics. They didn't realize they need to point the finger right back at them that we all have addiction, that your addiction is to control and avoidance and codependency. And so once you start to flip the script back to yourself, you realize like, Oh my God, I'm addicted to caffeine. I'm addicted to, comfort. I'm addicted to fear. And all of a sudden you start to realize, oh my God, like I need to stop pointing the finger and do the work on myself. And that's what COVID is such a great gift for that. Yeah. I, I don't think I've heard those words come out of anyone's mouth, but I literally, I, I'm sure I've said it in my last episode or I have it in a draft somewhere about how COVID literally has blessed me because I don't think I would be where I am mentally stable. Um, any, I haven't been this mentally stable, I think, in my entire life up until this past year. So it's it's freaking crazy. So what would you tell your younger self, I guess, this is a random question, um, from what you know now and what you've been through, if you could go back 10 years, what do you think you would tell yourself? Well, 10 years, I would have been 28. So I would have been six years into recovery. And so I would say, I would say, let's do the let's start to honor the inner child let's start to do the deeper dive work of the wounded self and see what's really there so that we can live the next 10 years very fruitfully and abundantly so that's what i would tell that that 28 year old version of myself and i would definitely tell the eight-year-old version and the 18 year old version because it would have probably been a different life so definitely uh, would have been more into this truth about the wounded self and about what i'm learning so do you think that you are just now diving into that, living more fruitfully and gratefully and all that, the abundance? A hundred percent. That's my, my subtitle of my book is literally harness your strengths to shift from addiction to abundance. And I mean it because when people hear abundance, they think of privilege. They think of money. They think of, well, that's not what I'm saying. Privilege, I'm sorry, abundance is the fruit it is your fridge being full of food. It is the nat is it is the spring into summer and the nature growing. Abundance is all around you. It's a shift in perspective. Because if I have water to drink, I'm abundant. If I have the breath coming out of my lungs, I'm abundant. 
that's the Maya def definition of abundance. It's the sun shining on your face or the clouds bringing the rain. That is abundance. A lot of people have lost their life in the last year. So if you are alive and breathing, to me, just breathing, the opportunity to learn breath is abundance. So people have a, um, a definition of abundance sometimes that's warped in money. And money doesn't bring you happiness. And if you can find that feeling without money, then when you get money, you're not going to self-debt yourself. You're not going to put yourself in debt because that's what you'll do if you haven't done the inner work. When you get money, you're going to spend the money. So how do I know this? I'm speaking from lived experience multiple times I did this. So this is what I'm trying to now teach myself is, oh, okay, I could be broken all the way down and have no money and be able to still be at peace. And now when the money comes, I will be more respecting of this money and be able to invest this money. So you have to live and learn. And I had to live and learn. And that's what I've now, you know, tell others and try to help them to see that because a lot of people are chasing the goal and chasing the dollar and chasing that dream. But the reality is if you're not okay within yourself now, you're faking it till you make it doesn't matter. Yeah, I love that you just tied in money, financial um, stability, and I think mental health awareness, I feel it goes so close together because a lot of people's coping mechanisms tie into overspending and overindulging. So I think that just having a, at least a concept or if you don't know anything about it, just starting to educate yourself on it. I mean, I'm only in my 20s and I feel like everyone around me is just doing the complete opposite of what I'm doing. And I have to keep reminding myself that they are not where I am in my own life and they're going through their own stuff and I'm going through my own stuff. So I have to like stop comparing because I'm not trying to go the same place that they're going. So I have to leave it alone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, when we start comparing, what we do is we bring up the wounds. When we start comparing, we start getting into the wound. We start getting to the ego. And next thing you know, we're lost and we separate ourselves from humans. And next thing you know, we're living a life where we're just living a, a life of separation when we need each other. We all need each other. That's the greatest illusion that's ever been created is that there's this divide with people and races and all this classes. It's a bunch of bullshit, but that's the great divide because it creates up a society to spend money and to get you to spend all your money. So it's a very sneaky trick. But the reality is once you get centered into your heart and you realize who you really are, it doesn't matter where you are. You can put yourself anywhere and be at peace and also respect the people around you and have love because you have love for yourself. So we don't live in a world that's created like that. So once you know that, you can start to go that direction of the heart. But if you're just trying to live in this world, you're going to be very confused. Yeah, definitely. Wow. I'm like getting goosebumps. Like, this, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to read your book. Like, I can't wait. So what is your, I'm so curious because like, you know, I just talked about kind of how I'm stuck in the middle of my book. I haven't literally touched it at all. So what was your like editing process like well so what ended up happening is this book that i just wrote has been inside of me for 10 years and three years ago i started to think about what did i what do i want to say in the book but then i just put it aside and then when COVID hit i had already been talking to someone just to, to have them help me stay accountable because i wanted someone to keep me accountable to my writing so what i did was i reached out to someone in january before even COVID was hitting that i knew about and uh, this woman said, yes, I'll, I'll do that. And so I ended up writing for 10 months. So I just had a, 
I did not have um, a disciplined practice where I was like, oh, I'm going to write from 7 to 8 a.m. every morning. No, I don't work like that. I do not work like that. I work intuitively. So what I would do is just when I felt inspired, whether that was at 1130 at night or 1230 in the afternoon, I would write. But I always I had someone I had to meet every two to three weeks to check in and I wasn't going to waste her time. So I always made sure that I wrote. And 10 months later, I wrote the whole book. So that was my process for this last book. Wow. See, I think I'm kind of like that too, because sometimes same thing with, I guess, the podcast. Like, I don't know what I'm going to record. I'm really bad at dropping episodes on time. I was doing really good for like the first six months, but like I have to go off of where my heart is. And if I don't feel in touch with my content, I won't talk about what I originally planned. I'll just go off whatever's on my heart, on my mind that Mm -hmm. day. And I feel the same way about writing, but sometimes I get really carried away and then I'm like, I don't even know what I just wrote, but it's probably great. I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's probably is great. And I think that's, you know, we have to have someone else to look at it and say, this is great. And then that's how we get it published, you know, because we'll just stay stuck like I did on my first book for a year and a half and didn't publish it because I didn't have anyone look at it. So once I started to have someone look at it, it was like, oh, damn, this is actually good. And I'm so glad I'm so glad I brought that out to the world. And now, like, it's having the ripple. So you have to get that story and that book out because it's going to it's going to have it's going to do what it's supposed to do. The book writes you. So it's going to do what it's supposed to do. And then you'll write another book. Like for me, I'm just I'm already working on the next book, even though this book just came out and the audiobooks are going to drop in about a month. Like I'm still always thinking about now because I trust myself and I know that I can write, actually, and I am a good writer now. I now allow myself to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to write another book then. And I'm going to go way bigger and I'm going to go way more risky. And because um, I feel good about my writing now. So, so yeah, but I didn't feel good about my writing in the first book. And the second book, I really didn't know until I got the feedback. And I was like, oh, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Just like anything, you got to practice and you get better. Yeah. I love that you're so pumped about it. Your person that you had, um, I guess, oversee and hold you accountable is it someone that you know, or is it someone who's like third party random person so they can't weigh in their own personal experience with you? Yeah, I hired, you I hired someone I didn't know. I hired someone that I wasn't going to waste their time and uh, they have a busy life. And uh, yeah, so it was a professional relationship because if it was a friend, I wouldn't take it serious. So I, I needed someone I didn't know. And so, yeah, so that that's what worked for me. <laughs> Good. Ah, that's amazing. I'm like all over the place. I could think like a million miles a second. When you're talking, I'm like, oh, I need to ask him. Oh, I didn't think about that. Let me ask him that. And then I forget. And I'm like, okay, so the last four questions, what did you just, now you can't remember anything? (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. So for by by profession, besides um, writing, do you do anything else? Well, yeah, I'm I'm a coach. I'm a professional coach. I got my I got my master's in clinical mental health counseling, so I'm a therapist, but I decided not to get licensed because I found my life path was actually coaching. I'm actually a really good coach. Now I could be a great therapist. I did that for a while, but I, I really love coaching. So my heartstring is pulled when I when I work with people one on one, men and women. So so yeah, so the first is is you know, I like to write now just because this last book I say I'm an author, but like if the last book I didn't write, I probably wouldn't say that. I'd probably say I'm a coach. I'm also a facilitator too. So I professionally facilitate and train. And so I was I was um I was trained in professional facilitation in twenty seventeen. So I do that as well full time. So facilitation and coaching 
Um, they're, they're very different, but I do, um, I do facilitation as well. And online now because of, uh, COVID, I do it online on zoom and sometimes in person and I do it all over the country. So I worked with Georgia in 2020, I worked with the whole state of Georgia. Um, and so, uh, with their recovery nonprofits. And so that was a life-changing work for me. Um, and so, yeah, so in 2021, I'm still letting, um, I'm asking the universe, like what's next, um. And I, and I do facilitate and train uh, professional coaches. So I do have that, but I want to really go much bigger. So I'm, I'm waiting to see what the next calling is for that. Yeah, you just got to keep, keep your eyes open and look for it. I like that all of everything that you do kind of ties in together. So they overlap just a little bit, but they give you enough inspiration and motivation to keep kind of like treading deeper into every aspect of your life. Um, when you were younger, like as a child, do you know, do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? It probably wasn't this, right? Yeah, I wanted to be a herpetologist. I was big into reptiles and turtles. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be a herpetologist. So I was studying those and I had turtles and iguanas and all these pets. And I lived in a, in a, I lived in the city, but I lived in the side of the city in Massachusetts that I had a forest behind me, a huge state forest. So I would catch snakes and turtles and keep them as pets and yeah, I wanted to be a herpetologist was the first thing I wanted to be, yeah. <laughs> and then you realized that, um, that you didn't want to. What changed your mind? <laughs> Trauma and addiction, mental health. Yeah. 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 Well, look at you now. You're on the other side of it all. Like, that's so amazing. Do you, um, what do you think was the most trying part of your whole journey so far? Well, I mean, you know... I mean, what comes to mind right away was being arrested. I mean, that, that changed everything. I was 22 years old. I was addicted to opioids. I was addicted to cocaine and alcohol. And I, and I had just brought myself to a place where life didn't matter anymore. And, and I got arrested with serious charges by federal agents. So that kind of changed everything. So that was a tough time because when we think no one's, we, we think that our behavior is not impacting other people. And I mean, just everyday behavior, but especially my behavior with the, with the addiction that I had. I mean, it was, it was definitely affecting people around me big time. And when I was arrested, that put a lot of stress on my family. So yeah, that was probably the hardest time. I uh, was 22 being arrested and dealing with the federal felonies and facing seven years in federal prison and, and then somehow not going to prison. But, but yeah, that was, um, that was definitely the most trying time. How has your, um, your support system or your circle of like friends and family transitioned through this whole process? Well, I mean, my family, we're closer than ever now. Um, I have a concept in the book I just wrote called Re Your Recovery Team. So I've always had a recovery team. In the beginning, the recovery team was was like my mom, my probation officer, my brother, my temporary sponsor, and my therapist. That was my, that was my recovery team. But today, 15 years later, my recovery team is my closest, closest companions, closest friends that I can share my authentic self with, that I can share trauma with, and they can hold space. So those are the people that are my recovery team today. And I recommend in the book to find three to five people. And if you only find one, then find one for now, but find them right now, find them in 24 hours. And um, because it's a matter of life and death for many people right now. So, you know, getting those people on your recovery team will help to keep you accountable. And so it's, uh, I think that's really, really key. Hmm. I love it. I think that support group is so, so important. Like I'm in a process of transition and I'm like looking at people in my life and like, yeah, I love them, but I'm like, are they really going to help me grow? And I know that 
you develop those better and deeper relationships once you start to heal yourself and you're never going to get there unless you, I guess, cut off those people. <laughs> yeah, you got to set boundaries. You got to set boundaries, not only for your life, but for your energy, because there's a lot of energy drainers out there. So you got to really watch yourself and be honest with yourself at who's draining my energy and limit the time with them. If they're family, you can only limit the time with them. But if it's people that's not family, you can cut them out. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Well, I don't want to uh, give away too much of your goodness because I want everyone to go buy all your books because I know literally I'm finishing up an audio book today. I have like 20 minutes left of it and then I'm ready to uh, read and review because I'm an avid reader and I probably read like a book a week, maybe more than that. Excellent. <laughs> but um, uh, where can everyone find your information? Do you do coaching outside of the state um, now or just there? Um, yeah, I coach. You know, the coaching is, is, is on the phone or virtual. So very rarely do I do it in person. So like, yeah, I coach people all over the world, Dubai, anywhere. So yeah, I mean, they can anyone can reach me at jesseharless.com or hit me up on Instagram, jesseharless222. I'm happy to respond and help. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for getting on today. I really appreciate you. I'm so glad we got to connect. I hope we can stay in touch and uh, I need to work on my book. You've inspired me. I really need to get to it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for that message to come to me that says I, I'm writing my book or I finished the draft. So I'll look for your, for your book. I'll look for your message. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to another episode of Sierra Unraveled. And like I always say, stop letting them unravel you because only you can unravel yourself.